Hey, it's great to see you. We're so glad that you're here with us today. Grab your Bibles, your devices. Today, the book of Genesis chapter 25, we start reading in verse 19. You say, Mark, wait a minute. We have been in First Peter. We're in a series of, I know, we're taking a break today for us because this is Father's Day. And I want to take a day to talk to some men in the room. You say, but what about women? You know, what about that? Well, we kind of touched on that last week, but yet what we're going to talk about today, and you can apply that to your life regardless of your agenda, or regardless of your gender, I should say. And, and so we want to say, hey, give us a moment to talk to the men in the room for, for a few moments today. And so I want to talk to you about three Old Testament characters, three men that I find in the book of Genesis, chapter 25, and those three guys are Isaac, Esau, and Jacob, who many times we refer to him as the deceiver. And I want to talk to you about their lives for a moment. And so I begin to think about this. This summer, Grayson is home with us, and this is his last summer home before he goes off into his career. So we said to him prior to coming home, what do you want to do your last summer? He says, I want to go fishing, you know? So I said, okay, I'm not the greatest fisherman on the planet, that's for sure. And if any of you give lessons, we're open. But yet, so I said, okay, what we're going to do is we're going to make this a summer of fishing for him and I to spend as much time as we can possible together. And so here's what we do. We've been doing this now since he's been home. And here's what we do. He researches. Grayson's a great researcher. You know, that's kind of the way he's wired. He researches. And then we get up at 4 a.m. We go to the lake and we apply what he's researched. And can I tell you, we've done a lot of fishing. We haven't done a whole lot of catching. You know, there's two different things, right? And so we have it. But it's been a great time together. We're really enjoying one another. And it's wonderful. But what we do is we get up at 4 a.m. in the morning, right? And we want to get out to our fishing spot as the sun is coming up. So we want to be on the lake at that moment. But what I've learned is that you just don't jump in the car and you just don't like hook up the boat and you don't head to the lake and, and without some preparation, right? You got to make some prep. Fishing requires a lot of preparation. So I begin to think this is what we do. You know, we, we get up real early in the morning or we start the night before. We prep the boat. We get all the tackle and equipment together. We do all of that. We get some snacks together because fishing is hard work. It really is. And you're going to get hungry out there. 4 a.m., you have to have coffee. So we have the coffee pot ready to go because if without coffee, somebody's going overboard, right? It's going to happen. Yes. And so you got to have coffee. We get all that prepared. We get all the safety gear checked out. We do all that. We drive to the lake. We, we, put, we buy the bait, we get ready to put the boat into the water, we check that the plug has been put into the back of the boat at least five times. We do that, right? Because we don't want to be that video on YouTube where you sink your boat at the boat ramp. It's not, we don't want to be that. So it's always, Grayson, did you put the plug in? Yeah. Dad, did you put the plug in? Yeah, I did. And just before it goes in the water, I lean over the back and I look down to make sure it's there and we're fine. And then I worry about it throughout the day, you know, kind of deal. So, so we do all of that and we make sure that we're prepared for that day. And I thought about life is about preparation. We prepare for all kinds of things. Think about when you first heard, if you're a dad, think about when you first heard that you, were, you guys were going to have a baby. You know, you're going to have a child for maybe the first time. Immediately your mind goes to what? Ah, the cute, little, cuddly, sweet little thing. No, your mind goes to all the things that are going to be required. The things you have to do and how you have to prepare for all of those little beautiful bundles of joy that are going to come into your home. 
So I thought if we spend our life preparing for things, then what's God's part in our life? I thought about this. If, if I'm preparing for all these things in life, then what's God's part? What percentage is God and what percentage is me as to how God carries out his will and his real desire and plan for my life? Then, then what, is, what is nature and what's nurture, you know? It's, it's an interesting thought, isn't it? Of our lives, how much is nature and how much is nurture? You know, and I look at this group this morning and I think, man, we're a very diverse group. We're really different in this, in this room. There, there is some, there, some definitely some nurture going on. There's some nature going on in all of our lives. We have all different kinds of likes and dislikes in this room. I mean, we like like different kinds of cars, and some of you like to fish, and some of you like to eat fish, and some of you don't care for fish at all. And, and so there's all different kinds of views of things. We have different views of foods. We have different haircuts. We have different backgrounds. We, we simply, our, our haircuts are different. We're uniquely diverse in this room. We are. And I thought about this, too. That, that we're so diverse in, well, one of the biggest things is music, right? We, all different likes and tastes for music. Some of you like country music and some of you like rock and hip-hop and R&B and worship and jazz and classical. Or you like a, just a whole array of different types of music. Last week I was at a traffic light and I was in my Jeep and I had the top off, you know, so it's a nice su- summer afternoon. And, and I'm there sitting at the traffic light and all of a sudden this this motorcycle pulls up next to me, and the motorcycle is loud because hey, that's you know that's if you're going to ride them, ride them loud, I guess, right? So you know, and, and so it's loud. But it wasn't the motorcycle; it was the guy's sound system on the motorcycle. I don't know if you've ever come across one of those. It had it, it's higher decibels than what we could create in this room for you. I do believe, yes. And so it's really loud, and he's right next to me, and you know, and I'm fighting this. This urge to look over here and, and sit and go, you know, I turn it down, dude. This thing is just busting my eardrums. And I look over and he looks at me and he looks like a member of the Hell's Angels. So I say nothing, right? You know, I don't say a word to him. I just nod like this and he nods at me. And I think he thinks that I'm enjoying this. So he, it seems like it gets louder. It really does. I'm not enjoying this at all. He thinks I am, but I'm not. what if we all enjoyed it like that? What if we were all the same way? Boy, the world would be even a louder place than what it is right now. But we're so diverse. We're so different in this room than one another. God has determined so much about us. And if life seems to be at times so scripted out, and that was my thought this week, is so, well, then what's my choices? What's my chances? Where's my freedom? Jeremiah Chapter 1 and verse 4 says this. He says, Now the word of the Lord came to me, saying, Behold, I have formed you in the womb. I knew, before the, I formed you in the womb, I knew you. And before you were born, I consecrated you, he says. And I appointed you as a prophet to the nations. He said, I knew, I designed you. Even before you were thought of by your parents, that I absolutely designed you and who you would become. I consecrated you. I dedicated you. He says, I prepared you for my good works, is what he's saying. And then he says that I appointed you. I assigned you. That I attached you a purpose. I attached you an ideal to your very life. It's such a positive, a powerful thought about how God simply orchestrates our lives. So if God is so involved, what happens if I decide to not do what he wills for my life. 
wow, what if I say no? You know, what happens then? What if I don't want to be a pastor anymore? What if I don't want to do that? What if I come up here this morning and say to you, hey, I'm going to give you the sermon today. And then after that, I quit. I mean, I'm done. Can I quit? I don't know. Can I quit? You know, that's the thing. Because he made me who I am. So what part is me and what part is him? And I even thought in, in greater things. And I think like this, too. Are, are, are the words that I'm speaking right now, are they my words or, or are they his words? You say, Mark, you're hurting my mind with all these crazy questions of yours. I just walked over here to this little spot. There's a little piece of tape that I stand on at the end of the service when I pray. They say, stand here. It's a sign that things are about to end. It really is. So did God tell me to walk over here at the end of the sermon? Or is that my idea to walk over there at the end of the sermon? So where does my ideas end and where does God's begin? It's a huge thought. You ever wonder where the sovereignty of God you know, and the responsibility of man, where do we meet in the middle of God's will? Wow. Can I tell you something? That I don't have a very complete, detailed answer to give you on that question. I really don't. And some of you are thinking, Mark, wait a minute. I came here for answers this morning, and you're telling me not to do that? Can I just gave online. Can I get my refund, right? Yes, because I came here for some answers. No, you can't get a refund. I thought I'd throw that out there to you, right? Just to let you know that, okay? But in, anyway, uh, I don't think you can, and don't even ask. So here's the thing, we move on. Yes, but what I realize is the things that I don't understand, then I trust God in those areas. In fact, I shared a scripture with you weeks ago, maybe months ago. It's in Deuteronomy 29 and 29. And, and it simply says this, that the secret things belong to the God, but the things that are revealed belong to you and I. And so what that means is that there are things that I know and things that I don't. There are things that I can understand about God. There are things that I cannot understand. About, but I can tell you some things I do understand today. And I find those in three Old Testament characters in the book of Genesis chapter 25. And that is Isaac, Esau, and Jacob, a father and two sons. So let me read to you as we start our study together this morning. It's Genesis 25 verse 19. These are the generations of Isaac, Abraham's son. Abraham fathered Isaac. Stop for a moment. Pause for a point. We know that, that, that simply Abraham's son, Isaac, has a brother, right? His brother is Ishmael. We know that, but it's not God's idea, right? It was simply the workings of Sarah and Abraham. But was God surprised? No, God was never surprised because God knows all things. So understanding that, we keep on reading. And Isaac was 40 years old when he took Rebekah, the daughter of Bethuel, the, the, the Aramean of Padamaram, the sister of Laban, of Aramean, uh, the Aramean, to be his wife. I pause again for another point. We know through the story of Jacob that he finds himself where? At the well, at Laban's house, his uncle. He sees, he sees Rachel and Leah and, and he's, his cousins, his cousins, and he decides that he wants to marry Rachel, his cousin. You figure all that out, okay? You think through that for a moment. And Isaac prayed, but here's the important part. He prayed to the Lord for his wife, 
because she was barren, and the Lord granted his prayer, and Rebekah, his wife, conceived. According to Isaac, the first thought is this. There are things that can change in our lives. Yeah, I want you to understand that. That what he's talking about is prayer and how you and I function powerfully through prayer in this life. That there are things in this life that can change. Isaac could have approached this completely different. He has a great handle on God and God's sovereignty. He really does. Why? Because Isaac knows that his very birth to Abraham and Sarah at their old age was a miracle within itself. And remember, Isaac is there at the moment that Abraham takes him to the mountain. He goes to sacrifice him to obey God. And then God sends an animal caught in the bushes near that. So it saves Isaac's life. And so when we look, or saves saves Isaac's life. And we, we look at this, we realize he has a great handle on how God works. He really does. He understands these things firsthand. He does. So what is his chance and what is, what is that providence in his life? Let me read a text to you. It's 2 Corinthians chapter 7, verse 14. If my people, I call it the if factor. If my people who are called by my name, humbles themselves and prays and seek my face and turns for their wicked ways. Then I will hear from heaven and forgive their sin and I will heal their land. It's the if factor that if I submit to God, if I humble myself to God, that I see myself in light of who God is, is what this really means, that he is so much greater than I. He is perfect and I am not. That I pray, I seek his face. And I wondered what that term meant, seeking his face. And it means that I simply gaze upon him. That I focus on him and his will and what he desires for my life more than my own. Then God will hear. It is God's work within our lives. And it brings effective change. God brings that change according to his will. But I think sometimes we think more practically and physically than we do spiritually. Yes, we default to this kind of thinking within our life that, well, that's just the way life is. And I have to live with it. You know, that's just the way stuff happens. And I have to kind of live with the way life is. I have to deal with kind of the the hand of cards that I have been dealt in life. And God is saying, no, that there are things that that may have been the thing that I gave you the power to change. Isaac cries out for his wife. She becomes pregnant with twins from his prayer. And the men in the room are saying, I'm not praying that prayer, right? Yes. And some of you say, no, that's what I want. Great. If that's what you want, that's tremendous. Yes. Let me talk to you about prayer for a moment. James chapter four, verse two. And I had to touch on this for just a moment. You desire and you do not have. So you murder, you covet, and you cannot obtain. So you fight and quarrel. You do not have because you do not ask. And when I read that, I'm thinking, what is James saying to us? It's how we ask. It's how we ask God. That we ask according to his will. Not just about what we want in life but about according to his will. Let me share with you one more text. It's 1 John chapter 5 or in, in verse 14. And here's what it says. And this is the confidence that we have toward him that if we ask anything according to his will, according to his will, he hears us. And I underline that part according to his will. How do I know the will of God? That's it. How do I know? I know the will of God by spending some time with God. 
God's will is directly connected to his character and his nature. So how do I know how God thinks and how God sees me and how God feels about me and what God wants me to have in this life? And I have to understand his character and nature. How do I know that? By spending time in his words is what it is. That I spend time in scripture, that I understand the very character and nature of God, the will of God by understanding his word. That I spend some time, if you're going to want to know me, then you spend some time with me. And then you will understand that. You will understand how I think and how I process things. Yes. Go fishing with us. Yes, do that. Just bring some technique with you because we need help. We really do. Yes. Bring your special lure or your bait. But yet you get to know God's will by spending time with him. And so what I realize is this. Though that just understanding God does not terminate on itself. That God's will for my life is to obey him. And I obey him through praying his will. Yes, that's exactly what he's teaching us. So there are some things that can change. There are. I think it's important. That he brings us hope. Let's read what he says in verse 22. He says this, The, the children struggle together within her, and she said, if it is thus, why is this happening to me? Can I tell you, not all of God's will for our life is easy. Realize that. Yeah, that's right. It's not always easy. So she went to inquire of the Lord, and the Lord said to her, Two nations are in your womb, and two peoples from within you shall be divided. The one shall be the stronger than the other, and the older shall serve the younger. When her days to give birth was completed, behold, there were twins in her womb. And the first came out red. I always think it's kind of interesting that it described them this way. The first came out red, all his bo- body like a hairy cloak. So they called him Esau. And afterwards, his brother came out with him holding Esau's heels. So his name was called Jacob. Isaac was 60 years old. When she bore them, and when the boys grew up, Esau was a skillful hunter, a man of the field, while Jacob was a quiet man dwelling in tents. And Isaac loved Esau because he ate of his game, but Rebekah loved Jacob. And so what we have here is some real good old Old Testament family dysfunction. Yes, it is. And it helps us to connect to this family. It really does. So my next thought is this. According to Esau and Jacob, There are things that will not change. There are things in our life that will not change. It's the providence of God. It's the power of God that sustains and guides for his holy purposes. Well, standing before you today right now in this position I'm in, that I'm Pastor Mark. But did I have a choice? Do I have have a choice? Well, I can tell you that I know that I'm in the exact place where God wants me right this moment standing before you. But what I do realize is that God saw this moment way before time ever started for you and I. I realize that God knew all of those kinds of things. He has a plan. It's his pro- providence within our lives. Yes, it's always for the best of me and for his purpose. He's working all things together for my good. But it's not always the easiest. And there are some things... Here, that will not change in this story. I read through this and I thought, well, what is that? Well, these two brothers, they look very different. They do. 
They look very different. One of them comes out of the womb looking like a red human bath mat. He really does. Yes, that's the only way I could think that he looks. You know, he holds him up. You know, mama was proud, right? Yes. What did I have? I had a baby or I had a grizzly. I don't know what this is, you know, right? Yes. And the other one does not. Esau needs some serious manscaping. He really does. Yes. And then the, the two, they got different positions. One's going to rule over the other. Two different dispositions. They come out, they, they come out struggling with one another. They're struggling with one another. I'm not sure what that was. <laughs> I said grizzly. It sounds like one, doesn't it? All I have to realize is I don't have to run fast. I just have to outrun most of you. Isn't that right? Yes. Yeah. I have no idea what that was. Yeah. Okay. Some of you are just not getting that, right? Yeah. It takes a little while, I know. It's, kind of, it's a deep conversation. It is. Yes. Yes. Man, they have different interests. Yes, Esau likes to hunt. He does. And here's Jacob. He likes the culinary arts. He really does. You know, he's hanging out in the tent with Rebecca. Nothing is wrong with all, any of that. So I want to say that. But, you know, there are things in our, all of our lives we'd like to change about ourselves, right? If you just looked at physicality, you look, yourself, look at yourself in the mirror, and there are things that you might want to change about yourself, so I so this week I, I looked in the mirror and I said, Mark, what would you want to change about yourself? And I and I and I it just came to me right away. I, I have this giant head. Have you noticed that? It's big. No, it really is. Seven and seven eighths hat size. That's a big head, right? That's big. My mother had one child for a reason. It really is, yeah? Yes. Don't want to have another one of those, you know? And, and so uh, you, you can figure that out later too. Yes. Uh, and, and, and so, you know, I, I, I played football, football for two years in high school, right? You know, and I can say that and, and, and for whatever reason. And, and I remember I made the team. I was so elated. I went to the, to the locker room to get our equipment. And everybody's getting their equipment. And so they're trying on helmets. They tried on every helmet in the locker room. They couldn't find one to fit my head. It was embarrassing. They had to order one. The first game I couldn't play. Why? I didn't have a helmet. But a counselor has helped me through this, and I'm okay right now with it, okay? No, I'm just saying. And so there's things about us that we would want to change. Yes, absolutely. But let me get serious with you for a moment. But some of you are struggling with that right now. Not because of your head size or physicality. It's not that at all. But you're struggling with something in your life that you want changed. And maybe you prayed. You know, I, I've learned something about prayer. Let me say this before I move on. Prayer always works. You hear me? Prayer always works. Here's the thing. The situation doesn't always change. But prayer always changes me. And sometimes it's my perspective of where I am that needs to be changed because it's God's purposeful will in my life that I remain where I am. And so I think some of us struggle with this thing of God hasn't teleported me from where I am to the next place that I have to stay here. I have to fulfill my responsibility where I am. And we struggle with that. We do. 
Here's Esau, and we're going to find he's going to struggle with that in a moment in the face of a really good bowl of Jacob's stew. Yes. And there's some of you here that you want out of a relationship, but God says, no, stay there. And for some of you that you wanted out of responsibility, and God says, no, stay there. That's tough, right? Because there's some things in our life that don't change. God says to you, this will not change, at least for now. This is not going to change for your life. And that's tough. You see, life is like a plastic grocery bag. You thought life was like a box of chocolates, didn't you? No, it's like a plastic grocery bag. And I thought about that. How do I share this with you? And, and, and when I realized, I began to, to look at this plastic bag, which we're all very aware of, you know, because we use them from time to time. And I thought that, well, it's useful, absolutely carries a lot of things, but there has to be a limit to it, right? Just like our lives. And so I Googled online, what's the limit of a typical grocery store plastic bag? It's 10 pounds. It's 10 pounds. You know, there's always a person at the grocery store that tries to put 50 in a thing. Isn't that right? Yes. Yeah, yeah. And, and you get out halfway to the parking lot, and all of a sudden the bottom falls out, everything goes on the ground. What do you attempt to do? You're tempted just to get in the car and drive off, right? Maybe back over, run over it all one, three, or four times and leave. Yes, what you know, but you don't because groceries are so expensive. So you pick it up, it's embarrassing. It has a limit. And I thought about life. Our life is like this so many ways. There's, there's moments in our lives when we think, hey, if my life would change, if something were to happen, if I give this promotion, if God would just take me out of this relationship, then I'm going to be satisfied in life. But would it really satisfy you? Would it really satisfy you? Let me talk to you about life for a minute. So what happens is that we come to Christ in our life, and He chooses us. We've talked about this before. He chooses by His love and His grace. We don't choose Him It's not a work of our own. So Christ begins to dwell in our lives. And so all of a sudden we have Christ there. But yet Christ has, well, he has commands. There are some responsibilities in being a Christian. Yeah, that's it. One of them is I have to love my neighbor as myself. That's a heavy responsibility. It is. But yet what I realize is that Scripture tells us that the burden of God within our life is light. Why? Because we don't obey him out of fear, we obey him out of love. But yet there's a responsibility. I can carry this because God is, well, God's carrying this with me. Oh, but then I'm a single guy, right? And I'm, I'm lonely. I got a dog. Dog just doesn't fit the bill, right? You know, and um, you, you just don't want to kiss your dog, right? And I mean, that's just not good, right? And so, he, you know, I, I see this... As a man, I see this girl and I think, man, I want a relationship with her. But a relationship requires responsibility. It does. I have to put them before me. I have to deny myself. It's responsibility. So after a while in this relationship, I'm living through my life. My bag's got a little bit of weight. But you know what? God's helping with this because as the bag is designed to carry a certain amount of weight... God has designed all of us in this room to carry a certain things in life. Yes. Because some things don't change. We have responsibilities. And so I like this girl and 
I want to make this permanent. So I decide that I'm going to ask her to be my wife. And I did that with Reba. And she absolutely said yes. And so here we are 42 years later, right? And yeah. And, but yet with marriage comes responsibility, right? Now, come on. Let's be real. It's, it's right, yes. You know, we're not, hanging out, we're not hanging out in the love shack all the time, okay? Realize that, right? Yes, it is responsibility here. There is. And so we live five years together. And all of a sudden we go insane and decide we want to have children. Really, we do. No, and, and so we have that first one, that first little guy. He, in, he invades our life. Chadwick, and man, it's wonderful. It's great, but it's responsibility. It really is. But then I forgot one, and that's a job. You know, you, you should get a girls, if you're looking for a guy, make sure he has a job before you marry him. Okay, that's usually the way it really works out better that way, right? And so you have a job because you got to make some money because you got to pay for dance lessons and you got to pay for summer camps and you got to pay for soccer camps and all those kinds of things. So you, you got to make some money. And all of a sudden, life is heavy. See, some of you are there. Life's heavy. But here's the thing. These are the things that God has designed you to carry. And God is carrying them with you. Understand that. He's carrying these things with you. And then all of a sudden, you decide to have another one. Uh, sort of like Chris and Cheris today, right? You know, they, they have like eight. Wow. You know? Why don't you guys have 10? That would be awesome. You know? yeah, that's, <laughs> and so, uh, where are you guys? I, I can't see it. There you are. Okay. The, maybe the, I wasn't being a prophet, okay? So don't worry about that, all right? But here's the thing. And then there's another one, and you feel the weight. And they're wonderful, but here's the deal. It's okay because God has designed you to carry this weight. And you're carrying it. It gets tough sometimes, Yes. But it's your responsibility that God's given you. But then what happens in your life is you begin to carry things you shouldn't carry. And that's where the problem comes in. You carry things you shouldn't carry. And so all of a sudden, what you felt like that you and God could manage and handle becomes unmanageable for you. It is. Because you begin to carry things that you can't, you can't, you can't carry and you wouldn't design to carry. And it starts with that moment at the job where you think that you're not treated fairly so you have a breach of your integrity. And so you place some buttermilk ranch in your bag. Yes, because we know that's got to be sinful. Yes, yes. As y'all know how I feel about that. And then all of a sudden, when that one moment happens in your life, it seems to get a little easier. It really does. And so the next thing that happens is you, is you, you as a man, you, you see this woman and you're attracted but, to them, but they're not your wife. So you just say, I'm going to look once and then you look twice and you're not bouncing your eyes around the room like I've always taught my boys to do. And how, that's how you protect your heart and your mind. And so you look the third time, and all of a sudden your looking goes to lusting. And then you find yourself with ranch with bacon bits. Yes, right, yeah, yeah. Because that's all, it's wrong. Listen, 
Anytime, anytime you put something as good as bacon with ranch, something's wrong. It really is. But look at my bag. My bag is going to bust at any moment. But then you don't stop there. Then you, then you go to fear and distrust and bitterness and all those kinds of things. You do that. And then you go to three cheese ranch because there's a lot of stuff in your life going on. And you can't carry it hardly. And then you say, hey, I can handle this on my own because that's where some of you are today. I can handle this on my own. I don't need anybody's help. Yes. And so then it's pride. So you go to the original ranch. Why? Because pride's the original sin of mankind. Yes. The bag's not long for this world, is it? Look at it. It's going to break at any moment. It is because we've surpassed the 10 pounds. Some of you are sitting here and God built you to carry a certain amount of weight. And you're carrying far beyond that today because you're carrying things that you were never designed to carry. What do I do? Today's a moment to surrender some of those things to God. Yeah. Oh, so I can surrender my wife? No, I'm not talking about that. No. But I'm talking about these things that you're carrying that you shouldn't be carrying. Some things don't change in our lives. God has enabled us to carry a certain weight. And we begin to carry things that we were never designed to carry. Look at verse 29. I finish up with this last few verses. Once when Jacob was cooking stew, Esau came in from the field and he was exhausted. These are times, dangerous times for us in our lives. And Esau said to Jacob, let me eat some of that red stew for I'm exhausted. Therefore, his name was called Edom. And Jacob said, sell me your birthright now. And Esau said, I'm about to die, is what he said to him. I've always just loved those words. They're so interesting to me. Because I think that, you know, we've all said things about our hunger at times, right? And, and you know, things like, you know, if I don't get something to eat, I'm going to die or whatever. And I guess that's where this thought came from. It's those moments when you make decisions on how you feel. And those are the most dangerous moments of our lives. And he says, I'm about to die of what use is a birthright to me. In other words, I can't eat it. And Jacob says, swear to me now. So he swore to him and sold his birthright to Jacob. And then Jacob gave Esau bread and lentil stew. And he ate and he drank and he rose and he went his way. Thus Esau despised his birthright. And so the last thought is this before we pray together. Is that according to Esau... There are things that shouldn't change in our lives. There are things that should not change. Jacob says, hey, bro, you hungry? Give me your birthright because I already know that you despise it. What is he talking about? A birthright comes with a responsibility. In this culture, the father's estate was divided up into three equal parts. The firstborn was given... The first two parts, the second born was given the third part. 
And so one got a double blessing and one doesn't. But with that double blessing becomes huge responsibilities in the family. And Esau says, I'm tired of that. I don't want that. Jacob, he simply jumps on the opportunity at that moment. And he says, I know you despise the responsibility. It's a blessing. But you can't see that it's a blessing. And for some of you in the room, where you are today, where you find yourself and your responsibilities in this life, and the enemy is telling you that you need a break, you need to get out of that, you need to get away from that, so here's an alternative for you. That things are better here. But you're blinded to the fact that where you are is a blessing from God. We say things like, God, give me a new life, or God, give me another relationship, or, or, or hey, God, you know, can, you, can you change this in my life? I'm hungry for something else. And I think that will satisfy me. Another person, another job, another promotion. God, just make me a different person. I don't like my personality. I've been looking on, you know, social media, and I really like how this person sounds and looks as if everything there is real. And God says, see the blessing where you are. In the middle of Christ, in the middle of relationships, in the middle of family, in the middle of commitment and responsibility. See the blessing for where you are. Matthew 16 and 26 says this to us. For what will it profit a man if he gains the whole world and forfeits his soul? Or what shall a man give in return for his soul? Matthew uses the word soul twice. And in many places in Scripture, it's, it's, inter, it's interchangeable with the word spirit. Here it's not. It means who you are. What makes you up. It's how God designed you. How God molded you before you were ever in the womb of your mother. And there's so many opportunities that we have in this life when a good bowl of hot stew is put in front of us to exchange the amazing place that God has placed us for that. And when the stew is gone, the stew is gone. So let me share with you for a moment four quick thoughts practical thoughts to navigate this life as a man. This Wednesday on our video dive in Wednesday afternoon, I will go through these in more depth, but I want to share them with you. The first is this, set boundaries in your life first. Set them first. Life will always be trying to redefine you. Always. Because there will always be a fresh bowl of stew 
that smells absolutely amazing put in front of you. So at what point do you say no? You say no now. Sin in our life always grows from less to more. It does. It never starts out with the big one. It doesn't. If I don't say no at the beginning, how, how do I know that I can say no later on? So I set my boundaries now. The second thing is this. Prepare for your commitment to be challenged. It will be challenged. It's going to be challenged in this life. You measure a commitment in this life by what it takes to prevail against that commitment. And whatever alters your commitment has the potential to rule your life. It's a serious stuff. That I win those those moments just moment by moment for my life. The third thing is this. Keep your commitment when no one else is looking. And I wrote this in my journal this week because this hits me so hard that, that I am to fear sin more than I am to fear the loss of my reputation. That I keep my commitment when no one else is looking. It's who I am in secret that really determines my commitment to God. Because whatever I do in secret has no other motive than that to please God. Because no one else sees it. The greatest sins, I think, in the lives of men today is what they do in secret. It's something in your bag you should be carrying. That's why life feels so heavy for you today. I want that to sink into your heart. And the last is optimize your future. Set your boundaries. Prepare to be challenged. Keep your commitment when no one is looking. Because the stew will come. And it's going to smell really appetizing. It is. And the temptation for you will be, first of all, to say, this is the way life is. So why do I talk to God or why do I pray? That's going to be the temptation. It is. And then you pray and some things don't change in your life. And you forget that God does have an amazing plan for you. And then there's a thought that you will turn from your responsibilities because you forget that God has equipped you to carry a certain load in this life. So you plant your flag now. You plant your flag now. How does... This thought just came to me. How does Daniel, not even in our text, right? Just one of those woo thoughts. How does Daniel take a nap in the lion's den? 
Because he tells Nebuchadnezzar he will refuse to bow to the idols in that nation far before he ever gets to the lion's den. Because I don't think if he had made that decision there in that lion's den, there would have been any napping done. You plant the flag now. And there's none of, none of this about, this is not about sinlessness for your life. That's not what this is about because that's not going to happen. But this is about you recognizing your sinfulness and realize that you've got to lean into God and you've got to trust God in your life. Some years ago, and I finish with this, some years ago there was a, there was a bumper sticker, and when bumper stickers were out, now they're window stickers, right? So you're like, your stick family's up there and all that. And so you know, there's this bumper sticker, and it said, Real men love Jesus. That's what it said. And can I tell you, I, I despise stereotypes. I really do. So I'll rewrite that bumper sticker. But mine would be much larger. You would need the back of your car to put this on. And my bumper sticker would say, Real men mess up. And still love Jesus. And Jesus still loves them. So for a moment, would you take a moment for reflection, just bow your heads and close your eyes, and let me pray with you for just a sec. Thank you for being patient today as I've shared this with you. But now, I think it's an important time for you to open your heart and mind to what the Holy Spirit is wanting to do in your life, both men and women in this room. So let me pray for you. Father, you know us like no one else knows us. That God, there is nothing hid to you, nothing secret. And so God, we come as your children today realizing that you know everything So there's no fear of retribution. There's no fear of rejection. That you're a good father. And in knowing that, God, we open our hearts to you. God, I pray that all the men in this room would push past the boundaries of their lives to realize that life is hard and it's a struggle and they're carrying a great load right now because many times they're carrying other things in their life they shouldn't be carrying. God, that you didn't build us to carry those things. But God, today is about surrender. That we surrender those moments and those things to you because we were never designed to have those in our bag ever. God, in those moments when we have prayed and nothing has happened, we realize that something has happened, God, that you have spoken. And that many times through your your purposeful will of our life for our lives, you have left us where we are. Help us, God to see the blessing of where we are. 
Help us, God, with our responsibilities. To not try to always try to get out from under them, but yet, Lord, we realize that you carry them with us. And we find a greater relationship with you even in the middle of those things. So today, God, in this moment, help us to take some things out of our bags today. To give them to you. And for you to help us carry the things in life that we were designed to carry together. And Lord, we give you thanks for that as you work so powerfully in our hearts today. In your name we pray.